Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Sean Boyce. I'm the founder of Next Step. And today I have a guest with me by the name of Stuart Balcom, who's the founder of Customer Discovery Sprints. Hello, Stuart. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Hey, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. For sure. And uh, for our audience and listeners, please give us a little bit more background in the work that you do and a little bit more information about uh, your company, Customer Discovery Sprints. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in product for probably five or so, just a little over five years now, uh, working both as sort of product lead for, for startups. Um, and then more recently in August of this year, I, uh, I went full-time independent and started customer discovery sprints to help uh, founders of sort of a wider, a broader range of uh, early stage companies do better dis customer discovery by understanding their customers and spending more time building the right thing. Uh, rather than just sort of spinning their wheels and building lots of things. So that's uh, what I'm up to now. And Customer Discovery Sprints, uh, like I said, uh, offers a couple of services done for you, jobs to be done research. Uh, so talking to your customers, help you understand uh, their motivations, their needs, their, their current challenges, and help you uh, do sort of discovery around the solutions that you're going to build in response to those problems. Sounds like a, a lot of valuable product help. I know it well. That is the goal. <laughs> Congratulations on going independent. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a nice change. It's the work hasn't changed too much, but it's uh, it's always exciting to get exposed to to new companies, to to new clients, and, and you know learn learn every day and get used to or get some experience in different different environments and, and add lots of value. Excellent. It's like I share with a lot of people that ask me more about the product work that I do. I say it's like drinking from a fire hose, but that's kind of the way I want it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's certainly not too many days that are exactly the same. But then you know, if they if they were, then companies wouldn't be growing and price wouldn't be developing. So, good point. Just the way it goes. Sure. Can you share with us a little bit more about the type of companies that you typically work with? Yeah, predominantly I've been working with early stage companies. So typically they've raised the seed round or you know, family family and friends round. They're pretty pretty early on um, and sort of just starting to. Uh, to get going, trying to figure out where to position that product in the market. Uh, sometimes they have a product, sometimes they're sort of pre-launch and are in the sort of MVP stage um, and trying to figure out uh, what, the, that, what that first version of that product should look like. Uh, and my goal there is to really help them make progress faster and move faster with confidence. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, instead of sort of spinning their wheels and building lots of features, um, building the right features that actually deliver value to, to their customers. Uh, I have done some work with with larger companies as well, um, which the work is pretty much the same, but it's sort of typically around either a new feature that they're developing, or maybe they have a specific uh, pain point that they're trying to address. Uh, maybe it's current choke point in their, you know, their onboarding flow or something like that. Uh, and we're able to do a sprint, uh, sort of really laser focused on solving uh, an existing problem uh, in the product. For sure, and I've heard you mention a few times already a lot about problems, right? Starting with problems, cutting down that list of features. Talk to us a little bit more about exactly how you do that. Um, I know some of those struggles, but I'd like to hear from you what your perspective is on helping the companies that you work with figure out how to do that and why it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that starting with problems really is, is key to building, uh, not only to building better product, but also to having a bigger impact in your customers' lives. Um, typically, the the best problems I really like this. I think it's uh, at least the first time I heard it was uh, the product team at Drift used this a lot. 
um, is that they innovate rather than invent. Uh, it may not be original to them. Um, I will certainly need to look up the source of that quote, but anyway. Uh, but the idea of innovating versus inventing means that you're starting with uh, either an existing solution to an existing problem, or you're starting with a problem that, you know, you're not starting from nothing, right? You're starting from sort of a known point. Um, and, and the best way to find out what that uh, sort of known sort of entry point is. I, I talk about this a lot actually with people that I work with is creating entry points into your client, which current into your, uh, into your product, which typically means identifying a particularly difficult pain point or a particularly painful pain point or an existing uh, behavior, which is currently challenging uh, and finding out where exactly you can sort of create an intervention, which enables people to go from this horrible old way, which or horrible status quo, which they're currently experiencing to the, you know, the, the new way, uh, the best, the better way with your, with your product. And, um, and that's something that we do a lot at customer discovery sprints through customer interviews. Um, so really getting deep sort of in the weeds with understanding customers existing behaviors, um, and identifying where to, um, where to get involved and sort of what, what would be most helpful to them. Uh, and then also with sort of testing those solutions um, to the existing problems that we've identified, figuring out sort of what is the right, uh, the right scope, the right, um, sort of the right way to solve that problem so that it really is integrated into the, the customer's life. Absolutely. So I really like the distinction you made between uh, innovate versus invent and how you started talking about because it starts somewhere, right? In the work that I do a lot, and I'd be curious to get your perspective on this as well too, the intuitive approach, I wanna say, for a lot of early stage product businesses, or at least what they think they should be doing, is running with ideas and then testing those. It's sort of a counterintuitive way to think about it for them, or at least they're not thinking about it in this way when we start to have those conversations where it's like, well, take a step back, we may be putting the cart before the horse in pushing something, maybe a solution to a problem either doesn't exist or doesn't exist in that format. So I'm curious to know more about the work that you do. Do you come across this problem? And if so, how do you go about addressing it with your customers? Yeah, absolutely. And that is certainly something you see, you see a lot just because it's sort of the easiest way to, in, starting with an idea which is sort of unbounded, it's right. so exciting, right? Yeah, so people get excited about it and particularly, you know, when it's their idea, they, maybe they ask a couple of people, which is better than asking nobody at all, but, Maybe they got some good feedback on that, that idea, so they assume that that's sort of the way to uh, to run. Uh, and and it's interesting. I mean, sort of. I don't think there's anything inherently bad with ideas um, or bad about ideas. It's just that they need to be anchored in something, right? They either need to be anchored against an existing problem. So maybe somebody is. Uh, what's a good example? Somebody is trying to figure out their monthly expenses, mm-hmm. um, and maybe they currently use a spreadsheet for that. Right. And you see, this is actually, you see, if you can find a problem which is currently being solved by a spreadsheet and people are using that spreadsheet a lot, maybe they've done some customization to that spreadsheet. Uh, there's probably a good, uh, a good chance that you can build a product which makes, which innovates on that solution uh, and solves that problem more effectively. Uh, so either they have an existing solution uh, or your problem needs to be, or sorry, your idea needs to be anchored in an opportunity, right? Like maybe, uh, solving this problem, well, in this case, it wouldn't be solving this problem, but maybe this idea, you know, enables a company to 10x sales by using your thing, right? And they need to, that needs to be an opportunity which the business cares about. Um, and you ha- you need one or one of those things, preferably one leads to the other. Um, sure. But you, you certainly need one of the two. Um, 
when you're when you're starting with an idea and, and the sort of the second thing which i would caveat that with which you see all the time is that people have an idea and they spend a lot of time running with that idea before they test an assumption right so they don't they don't take intentional steps to validate or i guess in a better way to do it is try to invalidate it makes right? it's much easier to validate falsely than sure uh, than invalidate but um it's been too long running with an idea before getting it into the market getting and into the market doesn't have to mean you know, full product launch with PR and fully built product, <laughs> right? Just not, mean, right? Right. It, it just means testing that you are able to actually deliver value in the way that your idea assumes you can deliver value, right? Um, and there are a few different sort of, I guess, axes to um, to test your, your hypotheses against. Um, one is that sort of, you know, ability to deliver value. Um, one is that you you know you know who this is going to deliver value for, <laughs> uh, and if you're running a business, which I'm assuming you are, is that delivering that value actually has a positive return for the business, right? You um, you can't you know you can't give away value for free if it's always going to be free and the value uh, the business is spending money and not making any. So sure. um, there are, there are certainly some sort of different different things to test about um, about your assumptions, but. Uh, being able to test those as quickly as possible and ultimately you, you're going to not only invalidate, it's not sort of a zero or one, it's, you know, you maybe get to 0.7 or something the first time, but you learn something which sort of unlocks the next test or unlocks the next, uh, the next thing you can do. And even if you've invalidated, you may have found that, you know, this idea that you had wasn't very valuable, but somebody told you about, you know, oh, well, th this thing isn't that important, but that thing over there, go do that. If you do that, it'll change my life. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Those are the things which you'll only get to um, by talking to your customers and talking to your customers early um, about, and it, like I said, it can be either be about their problems or about the opportunities which sure. um, which they might be able to take advantage of. Great point. Yeah, for sure. And if I were to reiterate for sure from the perspective of not necessarily that it's a bad thing to start with ideas, like you said, I like the fact that you mentioned that because I don't want to, I don't want it to necessarily come off as discouraging, but they have to be validated. They have to be verified. They have to be tested. Right. right. And another thing that you mentioned too, which was maybe they got a little bit of feedback. I see people falling into that trap from time to time too. I call it the friends and family problem, right? We go and we go to the people that we know best and we go to the people that want to encourage us as much as possible. And then we'll test ideas with them. They may say it's a great idea to encourage us, right? They don't want to discourage us, but that can be a trap too, right? Is, um, may not actually, you may not be, like you said, you may be getting false positives. So uh, looking to, I like what you mentioned too, about looking to almost invalidate it, right? I'm looking for data to say, to state the other, the opposite, to state the other, state otherwise. Right. And the one book that I recommend that early founders always read is Rob Fitzpatrick has a great book, The Mom Test, um, where he sort of talks about this exact problem. So there, uh, what's like the, the false positives of talking to people who care too much about you, right? Yep. Um, that's, it's very, and it's also, not only is it, can it be a sort of a sampling problem where you're talking to people who don't want to hurt your feelings or they, you know, they're excited for you, but um, it can also be sort of almost like ex an experiment design problem, right? If you're asking questions about, like the worst questions that you can ask people are, do you like this? Right. <laughs> How much will you pay for this? Right. And just because they're not, they're not sort of grounded in reality. Right. It's one thing that I always love to do, um, sort of in the customer research, um, sort of if, if you're using customer research or customer interviews as a discovery technique, 
one thing that I always like to do is to make things really concrete, right? Like if you're asking somebody about uh, their workout habits, for example, if you ask, you know, how often do you work out? Like, that's okay, right? Maybe somebody will say, oh, like sometimes, right? But what does sometimes actually mean? Whereas if you ask somebody, how many times did you work out last week? Exactly. Right, you very quickly get to, oh, actually I didn't work out last week. So does sometimes, did you work out the week before, right? You can, you can pretty quickly get to um, sort of a, a realistic answer or a sort of an answer grounded in reality, which could have a, you know, it could be the difference between success and failure for your product, right? If you're- Absolutely. And this is why I talked about sort of the different types of hypotheses which you need to invalidate and invalidate. Because if you're, one of your business assumptions is that, you know, if people use the, we can make enough money to show by showing ads if people log in every week. Let's just say that's the number. If you find they actually only log in every three weeks, you know the people that you're selling ads to are going to have a very different view of the value that your product provides. Agreed. I'm so glad you mentioned that book. That is by and large one of my favorite product books out there, and I recommend it to pretty much anyone has any interest in this and anyone who's building a product business. Uh, I'll reiterate the mom test. What I love about that is it gives me the opportunity to describe why it's called the mom test, right? It's called right. the mom test so that I think really the concept is you're asking questions the right way to such an extent that even your own mother couldn't lie to you about the answer, right? So right. regardless of how encouraging that person wants to be for you, like you just articulated, Stuart, using uh, the workout example, saying how often do you work out is very different than how many times did you work out last week? Using that historic data, right? It's very concrete, it's very black and white. And that is much better to set a baseline for validating something, for learning, all kinds of good stuff with that approach as opposed to you know, uh, forecasting or talking about hypotheticals. Yeah, one thing to add on that too is it actually gives you a better basis for asking follow-up questions as well. Mm -hmm. right? If somebody answers a question, that's stick with the workout example, if somebody says they work out sometimes, you don't really have anything to sort of personalize the next question with. Right? Whereas if somebody says, I worked out or I didn't work out last week, you can ask why I didn't work out last week. Or somebody says, I only worked out twice last week. They may, they may say, you know, last week was unusual. I worked out once. Normally I worked out three times. Well, what was different about last week? You can, it yeah. much more quickly becomes sort of a, uh, leads into your follow-up questions. And, and that's sure. sort of, uh, uh, when I'm sort of talking to people about, you know, why they should be doing customer interviews and how they should actually go about doing customer interviews, People, I think people often get scared of sort of, you know, making it really formal and sort of getting, you know, doing it wrong, right? I yep. think that ultimately customer doing good customer interviews or at least effective uh, customer interviews where you get the insights that you need come down to sort of two things. One is keeping it conversational and keeping it sort of non, like not trying to introduce bias by, you know, forcing the conversation in a particular direction, not making it so scripted that people feel uncomfortable to reveal things to you, but then just being really inquisitive right just keep asking why right because you, you're asking about them right it's it's all about their behavior which you know nothing about right so you just sure. want to know as much as possible one thing that i say pretty regularly is the only thing people like talking about more than themselves is their problems and that works very well for product managers so if you're interacting with customers follow Stuart's lead here and continue to ask why continue to be inquisitive because more often than not, I find people don't get an opportunity to talk about these things, right? Um, so when they do, uh, you can often get a lot of great information, but you have to ask the questions the right way. So great feedback. Other question I would have for you is you'd mentioned with the work that you do, testing these assumptions, 
and validating them. How do you go about testing and validating them in the work that you do for your customers? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first thing is sort of being intentional about what you're trying to learn, right? Like what is the hypothesis that we have that we're trying to either prove or disprove? So that's really important. I find that often it can be really easy to sort of uh, go in a million different directions at once. You have lots of ideas. So you just sort of test a lot of things all at the same time. You don't really know what was right and what was good, what was bad, what you used to be different. So I think that that's a really important sort of first step is being intentional about what you're trying to learn um, and where you're trying to get to, right? And sort of setting, trying to set a number or a at least a measure of how you'll know if you validated them or invalid, right? And, and to a certain, this is, I think, a trap that is easy to fall into is that you look at all these big companies that have, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of active users and they can actually make data-driven decisions, right? Because they have statistically uh, valid uh, sort of data sets that, you know, even if they segment this customer base, they can say, you know, this many people, which is large enough to make, for us to make decisions based on did X, right? Whereas when you're early on, you don't really have that luxury. Uh, and even then sort of data sort of still looking in the rear view mirror, which is not, it, it's certainly helpful, but you know, qualitative data is helpful too. Um, so your, so your sort of measures of success are going to be somewhat arbitrary, right? In that it's, it's more about scoping, uh, how sort of scoping risk, right? In that uh, just sort of blindly building uh, your idea or, you know, basically it doesn't have to be building. It can be blindly spending time on anything uh, without having any sort of evidence or um, justification for why you're doing that is risky, right? Um, so really any of your sort of validation efforts are a sort of a hedge against that risk, right? If we find, let's say we, our test is, I'm going to talk to 10 customers. If seven of them express, uh, you know, severe pain <laughs> with this problem, then we're going to continue down that path, right? And it, it's actually less about the numbers and more about being intentional and sort of deliberate about uh, the direction that you're going in. Um, so th that's, like I said, that's sort of the first step is, is making sure that you know where you're trying to go. Uh, and the second step is to design an experiment, right? And the, the things that we do at Customer Discovery Sprints, uh, first off is jobs to be done customer research, right? So we'll actually get on the phone with your customers uh, and all prospects, it doesn't really matter. Um, the questions will vary slightly, but uh, again, all in service of that sort of research goal, right? Like what are the, all that hypothesis uh, that we're trying to validate or invalidate? Um, and we'll ask them questions like we've just talked about that are about their problems and about their life. Right? We're trying to uncover uh, the insights and the sort of the uh, the opportunities for an intervention, uh, which we can take advantage of. Whether when whether we're introducing you know a whole new product or whether we're just introducing a new feature within an existing product, um, and feature is probably a bad word there. Uh, whether we're trying to deliver new value um, <laughs> to, to an ex within an existing product. Nice clarification. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I catch myself, well, it's just so easy to fall back into the, you know, the, of course, thing. but people don't actually build. And this is one of the big things about jobs to be done as a framework specifically is that it's actually not about, um, it sort of says people don't buy products, right? They buy, uh, they buy solutions to their, to get their job done, right? Whether yeah. that be, uh, they're trying to hang a picture frame and they need to hammer a nails or they need to put a nail on the wall so they buy a hammer um although you know the clint christensen example 
commuters uh, have a long drive to work and they need something to keep them busy and also stave off some uh, some hunger. Uh, so they, they hire a milkshake, right? <laughs> but anyway, so that's sort of the one of the examples would be interviews to un uncover those. Um, those problems. Sure. Hopefully, as as part of that, we uh, are able to answer our, our research questions. I like it. Exciting stuff. Thank you a ton for being here and sharing these, uh, sharing this insight with myself and the audience. A lot of great information about interacting with customers, identifying and starting with problems, and how you go about validating those as well also. So a lot of insightful stuff. Uh, other questions I have for you are, another question we ask is, what resources, if any, and the mom test is definitely going to be one of them, so I'm going to link for that. <laughs> Every time I get the opportunity to do so, I do. But any other resources you would recommend for those out there building product businesses? Uh, in the form of books, blogs, you know, anything realistically that you think other people should be reading as well too, or digesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. I actually have uh, a, a free course on customer interviews for, or how to do better customer interviews for founders. Um, it can be found at customerdiscoverysprints.com slash free course, um, or you find it from the, the homepage as well. Um, so, so that's one. And then uh, I also have my own uh, personal blog where I write about some of these same things. How can you test more quickly? How can you uh, sort of get closer to your customers to build a better, uh, a better business? But some of my sort of personal favorites outside of my own uh, resources, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Drift's Build podcast uh, with Maggie Crowley. Um, they're doing some unbelievable work there and, and really uh, sort of pushing the boundaries of, um, or sort of at least sort of pushing what it means to be uh, a product focused or customer focused uh, business. Um, other than that, uh, Marty Kagan um, has some really good resources. Uh, he's, uh, he has a great blog and also a book uh, on customer discovery as well. Excellent, all great resources. Thank you for sharing. And I'll link to all of those. Thanks for sharing your course as well also as part of the notes for the show. Another question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, most of my work is with sort of relatively early stage uh, companies, either uh, sort of seed funded companies or, or even founders who are just getting started by themselves um, and are you know, in that early, really early stage where learning quickly and, and making sure that you're spending your resources uh, wisely uh, is important. Um, and the best way to reach out is, is directly through my website, uh, Customer Discoveries Friends. Dot com, um, but you can also email me at Stuart at customerdiscoverysprints.com as well. Perfect. Thank you for sharing. Uh, well, that is all I have for you here today, Stuart. Um, thank you for taking your time and sharing your insight. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Product Launch Podcast powered by Next Step. If you're looking for help with your product business in the area of product strategy or product management, please feel free to reach out to Next Step to learn more about how we can help at hello at nextstep.io. That's hello at nxtstep.io. Additionally, if you know anyone who has experience building, running, or managing a product or product business and would like to be a guest on our show to share their story, please have them reach out to our organizer at podcast at nextstep.io. That's podcast at nxtstep.io. Thanks and keep disrupting. 
Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.